Welcome to Football Neophytes Podcast. It's transfer deadline day. We're also going to talk about goals hard to come for Manchester United and Wolves this week. We're also going to ask the question, are Spurs without Kane, just Wolves without Raul? Liverpool is back, but is it too little too late? And we're going to give some mid-table love, especially from Kyle as he featured West Ham United this week. Gentlemen, what's up? What's up? What's going on, Nate? How you doing, brother? Well, life's good. Football's not, but <laughs> life is good. Football is life. Football is life. Kyle, how are you doing? What's going on, boys? Happy birthday, Chris. Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Happy birthday, buddy. You know, when I was given my options of how I wanted to spend my birthday evening... You guys were the first choice. I said, give me Nate, give me Kyle. We are the football neophytes. That's where I belong. I did ask if you wanted to record early. It's you, true. You chose to spend your birthday with us virtually. I don't regret it at all. Today's transfer deadline day, and I, it felt a little, I don't know, felt like there was a little to be desired on transfer deadline day. I realized... And I don't understand the full implication of this, but Brexit throws everything off somehow. I don't know if it's current because, well, it's always current. Currency's always been different. The British never adopted the euro, so it's not a currency issue. So I'm not quite sure. It probably has maybe work permits. That's maybe part of it. Um, probably should have done a little more research, but. I do know that a lot of people have talked about how Brexit affects transfers now into English soccer. And so, um, yeah, it felt a little, a little lackluster. January is always much smaller than the summer. It's a shorter window. Mm. Um, teams are having to be really more specific at filling really specific needs from either to try and, you know, solve for things that happen during the season and even as we'll talk here in a second, um, I think that's what we saw saw a couple teams too do. So I really want to focus on only four teams. It really felt like only four teams made really significant moves. Um, but the biggest being uh, Liverpool, they signed two center backs, which obviously has been a need. They've been playing two players out of position in in the center back position, and so they bring in this this guy Ben Davies and. Um, another guy, I think he's Turkish, uh, Kabak. Um, so I, you know, I think we're neophytes to not just football generally, well, football generally, but also English football and we're growing in our knowledge of English football, but ultimately like, unless they're American or have a really massive worldwide name, I don't always know a lot of these, these players. And so I don't know much about them other than the fact that uh, there was excitement uh, today around these two signings for Liverpool. And I think for them, depth at, in the back has been what they've needed. Chris, you guys, uh, Manchester United made a, a signing as well, yeah? Yeah, well, it was a deal they had done in the summer, um, but they couldn't get a uh, work visa 
for Ahmad Diallo to come over from Atlanta. Da, ka, ka, ka. Uh, Atlanta with a couple extra vowels and consonants. Yeah. Um, which is funny because the first few times I saw their club name, I thought it just said Atlanta because my brain is so used to just reading Atlanta that it took a while for me to realize that these really good players weren't coming from Atlanta of the MLS. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a deal they got done over the summer, um, but they couldn't get him a work visa. And so they just postponed the transfer so that he could keep playing with the club. And then uh, they, they got the, or they got the work visa done. So they were able to complete the transfer in this window. Um, super young kid, Ahmad Diallo, um, very promising. Um, didn't get a ton of time. Like um, I was reading a bit, a bit about his time before getting there. And I think he had only played like less than 20 minutes uh, of actual league time. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of hype on a very young kid who hasn't really shown anything because he just, he was behind older guys who uh, were getting the, the runtime. So um, seems Wolves like a spent lot of, like 35 million on a kid like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it seems like a lot of scratch until you just realize that seems to be the going rate for an 18 year old hopeful phenom. And they either make or break, you know, that goes goes one way or the other. But he made his debut this weekend with the under 23 team and he scored twice once on a penalty kick. Um, so, he, you know, kind of had the uh, perfect debut that you could have. Ole is already talking about adding him to the 25 so that he could be available on game days. So, um, you know, if you watch, I don't know if we want to dive into Man U right now a little bit, but what I'll say is their their right side is a giant black hole. Um, and we can get into it a little bit later because it showed up in the weekend's game. So the hope is that this kid, um, his caliber is high, that his quality is good, and that he can step in and fill that role. So we'll yep. see. Great. Uh, a couple other signings. Uh, Arsenal signed Odegaard. Um, that might have even been done by the time we recorded last week, but that was a significant one. We'll see how he slots in again. He's a name that people know. I don't know anything about him, um, but we'll get to watch him tomorrow um, with Wolves Arsenal. Wolves also signed William Jose. Um, that's a that was a big deal for them. He's a he's a striker, and we'll talk about his impact um, when we talk about Wolves in a couple minutes. The only other no notable one, Ainsley Maitland Niles, uh, was courted by a few different teams, uh, Southampton. Uh, Wolves had been interested in him a long while ago, but never really like full, nothing ever fully developed. I know Southampton was in on him, but he ended up uh, going on a loan over to West Brom. So that's the other interesting thing you'll see. Uh, he's from Arsenal, young, promising uh, guy. And you'll see that a lot too with these teams who are trying to fight off relegation that they'll try and make some moves to hopefully save their seasons. But um, those are kind of the big, the big names, um, that, that I was actually able to read about, but, uh, yeah, Chris, you wanted to talk about, about Manchester United, um, give us a few minutes on, on them from this last week, obviously disappointing week for them and wolves. I mean, I, one point between each team got, got one point, um, not a lot of goals scored, um wolves like the least amount of goals you can score wolf scored them and uh you barely outscored us by one 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't really say I want to talk about Man United this week. Um, it was it was a rough week. Um, what I was hinting at earlier, they have a massive hole over on the right side in the attacking zone. Um, and my frustrations with Ole are always with his lineups. Um, I don't know enough about the game to be like, these are tactical errors he's making as far as like formations and things like that. But I can look at the squad and go, oh shit, this is not going to be a good one. And so um, that played out this week. They had the giant black hole on the right side. And what Ole's doing to try and cover up for it is he's moving Rashford over to the right side. I saw that. Which, look, Marcus Rashford is an amazing player. And he, and he can be adequate over there in periods and in spots. Like if there's rotations going on and he needs to fill in and cover – it's totally fine. But to play him there, you are playing him out of position. Um, and his production is at zero right now because of where he's playing. Just not the side he should be playing on. Um, he's an incredible player. He's so talented. He fills in adequately, but he's that's just not his his spot. And well, hey, Chris, let me jump in here. Just a little, just do a little neophytes thing, if you don't mind me interrupting you. Okay. What, what about one side versus the other makes a player go from being productive and talented to being a complete zero. Well, he's not a complete zero, but the biggest factor is your strong foot. So Marcus Rashford's a right footed player. So when he's on the left side, his stronger foot is, is the shooting foot from, from the left side. It's, it's easier to get on target from that side. Okay. For most players, that's the biggest thing for them. Um, one of the cool things about Mason Greenwood, who's one of the young, he's also a young guy for United. Um, had you know, this is just his second season with the team. He's ambidextrous with his feet, and so hmm. he can play on either side. Usually, they throw him out there because he is probably their strongest left-footed kicker. Um, but he's super young and he hasn't really gelled. Um, he scored a decent amount of goals last season for the team, but this season it's just been a struggle. I don't know if it's fame going to a young kid's head too early. He had a lot of squabbles in the offseason. He ended up getting kicked off England's national team for, uh, you know, meeting up with some girls in the hotel and bringing them past the COVID barrier. So uh, he's had a rough run this season. And so I don't know if that's affecting his head um, or if it's affecting his playing, it's clearly affecting his playing time because he's not getting on the pitch for a ton. Um, but so going back to the black hole on the right side, um, always move Rashford over there to try and fill that hole and get some production from over there and playing Rashford completely out of position. And the drawback to that is that he is sliding Anthony Martial into Rashford's natural position. And if you've followed anything this season about Manchester United, Anthony Martial is, is just dog crap right now, to, to be honest. The effort is absolutely atrocious. You know, he scored 17 goals last season, and he's got two this season so far. Um, the production's not there. The effort's not there. I don't know what's going on, um, but I don't know how you can continue to play him. And so it's like you've got – Martial doing nothing on the left and you've moved Rashford out of his natural position to fill the hole on the right where he's not scoring from there either. Um, and it's just, 
it's a mess right now. And so the lineup that Ole ran out against Sheffield United was as if they were playing like a sixth league FA team. And I, I understood it from the standpoint of, you know, trying to get some guys some rest. They've had some injuries on the back line, but I mean, he made six changes between the game before and then that game. And of course they lose. It wasn't without controversy either. Uh, you know, the referee's report comes out the other day and only mentions it in his press conference today that they admitted that um, Sheffield United's first goal should not have counted due to contact to the goalie. It wasn't reviewed. And Manchester United had a disallowed goal from Martial, who maybe it would have been nice to get him a goal to get him going. Um, he, he scored, but they called it off. And then they admitted that it wasn't a penalty on Harry Maguire. The goal should have stood. So a big swing there in giving up a goal that shouldn't have counted and then not getting a goal that should have counted. Um, but that is not to excuse their poor performance. Um, they have a ton of talent. The guys that they do bring in off the bench, they're caliber players. They're quality guys. Um, so when you make those wholesale changes like that, you still expect a better effort. You can't lose to the 20th place team, the lowest ranked team in the league. Um, home to be, or fair, away, to be fair though. I mean, and you saw it what, yesterday, I think it was, or the day before man city, um, Sheffield Sheffield's playing a lot better. And we even said that early on some of their goal, like the amount of, like their goal differential to their like amount of games played was pretty, pretty small for a while. So we know they've been losing closer, closer matches. And um, that man city game was really close. Yeah, it was so they, Sheffield's been, playing well, super good defensively all season. Um, they haven't been able to score. Um, Sheffield United has scored two goals in two matches this year. Um, both of them were against Manchester United. Oof. So not a great thing. Um, and then they well, finished up. <laughs> you forgot to mention the worst part about that loss, though, is that they were wearing their powder pink yeah. kits while you lost to them, which just kind of adds insult to injury. Yeah, it's definitely pouring and salt in the wound for sure. Yes. Uh, what it looked like, it looked like they brought, they brought their white kits and then they watched <laughs> the, the white stuff. kits with your kits and it just kind of bled over on theirs and, and came yeah. out pink. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and then the weekend game, United versus Arsenal, nil-nil draw, my least favorite thing in the world. Um, not much to take out of that game other than it was There is a difference between a Wolves-Chelsea nil-nil draw, which was boring AF, and... The Arsenal Manchester Arsenal. United, there were quite a few chances. So there were there is a difference. I mean, there was some there was a shot off the post, at least one. I mean, there was a there were some great opportunities on both sides. Yeah. And I will wrap up this section of the podcast on Man U with this. Um, they have played six matches against the top six teams on the table right now. They have zero wins, four draws, and two losses. So they've taken two points out of a possible 18 against the top six teams, not counting them. That is terrible. And that is why a couple of weeks ago I was saying, this is fun, but look out. 
Yeah, well, the flip side is that Wolves, now granted Chelsea and Arsenal are shells of, of themselves, but Wolves have two victories in the last like 12 matches and it's against Arsenal and Chelsea. We can't do anything okay. against anyone else, but um, Wolves, I mean, I really don't want to spend a lot of time talking about them. I was very excited after the Chelsea draw. It felt like a little bit of a turnaround for them. They went back to the five or like the three, four, three or whatever, five, two, three, however you want to describe it, much more defensive counter-attacking football um, clean sheet against Chelsea with Tuchel's debut. Very excited about that result. And then to go and turn around a shit burger to crystal palace, they can't score. They had no shots. No, sh- I think no shots in the first half. Mm. I mean, just abysmal. Um, they only ended up, I think, with two shots on target and both of them by William Jose. So there is some hope there. Um, we've still got to be able to get the ball to him. Um, and both both shots were saved. So um, there's some hope there with him. But but Wolves are, Wolves are in just really bad shape. Um, it's one of those things where the squad's not that much different than last year. Certainly... Um, not having Raul, we've talked about it a lot. We don't need to belabor the point, but not having Raul has been, uh, has hurt them. Um, but it's a lot of the same, a lot of same players. And there have been some injuries, but again, it just feels like there's confidence issues. Um, you know, there's, there's fears about Nuno, you know, like, is he going to make it through the season? Fosin seems they seem to be hinting that they're going to keep him and not, not sack him. But I mean, I think we'll talk about this a little later, but you know, you can't get too close to 17th, 18th place without there being a lot of questions, especially with the amount of money that they've, they've pumped into the club. Um, So, so we'll see. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the most interesting place I've been as I've followed this team over three years, you know, it's been very, I mean, the first season choosing wolves, they finished seventh, they lose in the semifinals of FA. So they had made a good cup run. My first year of really following them. They're in Europa. They finished seventh again. They make it to the quarterfinals of Europa. I mean, it's been just so much like great, like performance, and even when Wolves, and this is what I think is the most striking is Wolves have had these little like mini runs of two or three games where you're like, what's going on? And Nuno's always been able to write the ship. He's always been able to get a performance out of the, out of the boys. And it just, it's not coming. And so you keep kind of waiting for that. And I think that's where a lot of the fear of the fan base is, is that has Nuno like lost his magic with these guys. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, I know Chris has another question for you. I don't want to step on it, but I also want to, you've talked a lot about Nuno, right? And some of the concerns there, maybe on the hot seat. How, how did, how are you feeling about him? You know, in terms of, are you at this point okay if they were to make a move or are you still pretty adamantly in his corner? 
he was one of the he was one of the primary factors that I chose wolves. Like, I mean, if there were five, if my if there were like top five factors, he would be one of five. And so, hmm. because of that, I I don't want them. I don't want to see him go. Um, the other thing is, I do think this is a bit of an anomaly of a season for them because losing Raul amidst a shift in tactics seems to be really unfortunate like timing and now it feels like he's kind of as they say lost the plot like crap do i stick with my my transformation or do i go back to the old ways but now i've spent six months prepping these guys to run one way and brought guys in to fit that formation and so i think it's complex in that and then I think the final, the final piece is I just, I don't know enough about the managerial landscape at all to know like who's available. I don't like, is there anyone mm. better? I just have no idea. Right. Like who, do, who would they bring right. in and anyone they bring don't in. Say Mourinho. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> that would, I would have a real, that would be, that'd be miserable. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I mean, there's literally like three or four names out there that I even know. And so, um, yeah, so I think that's, and that's a huge fear, life. right? Is, yeah, firing your coach without having a backup plan is probably the worst thing you can do. Yeah, that's why I don't see him making So hopefully team. that's not the case. Yeah. So is that's where a, we'll uh, Is this a good or bad time? for us to look at the relegation meter in Nate's head. This is, this is the right time. All right. So we started this a couple weeks ago before the international break. Uh, you were at a three with one being the lowest on the scale of one to 10, 10 being the most worried, like, Oh crap, Nate, where are you at on your wolves relegation meter this week? I'm firmly on a five. I would be a right. lot. I'd be a lot more worried mm-hmm. if the bottom three weren't so bad. The bottom three are just so yep. bad. Fulham's showing some signs. Obviously, we said Sheffield United showing signs. I just don't know if they can do enough. I think they're, they've dug too big of a hole for themselves. So, you know, Wolves are only two points away from seventeenth place, but they're still nine points away from from Fulham at eighteen. So that's kind of where I'm at. All right. So moving on to other parts of the premier league, uh, Tottenham has not looked good. Their defense, which Jose was installing has looked just abysmal. Um, I don't know if either of you guys saw the Jose interview, uh, after yesterday's match, but it was so tepid. I was like, so, so disappointed. I, I wanted some good Jose's and he was just kind of like, it almost sounded like he get, he's given up on him, which I mean, for if he, if he burns out or flames out after what a season and a half, that would be pretty, pretty remarkable. But, but my question to you guys is Tottenham without Harry Kane, essentially just wolves. I'll, I'll let you take this one first. I want to hear what, what you think. I mean, obviously they have more quality, but if you look at their results over the last, like the, so the, over the last 12 matches, Wolves have two wins and I think nine points. 
I mean, it's, it's horrible. So clearly worse than Tottenham, but over that same period of time, Spurs have only three wins. So only one more win and they have quite a few more draws. So they have 15 points, but I mean, that's still not a lot of, not a lot of points. Um, Jose is all about defense. Wolves have played, you know, Jose runs a counterattacking, really strong tight back, back line style counterattack. That's what makes Kane and Son so deadly um, on the break. But this happened last year when Kane got injured. As soon as Kane goes down, that team just shuts down. And we didn't see that as with Wolves, but, you know, now we are with Raul down, we can't, we can't score and we can't even win. So it's a bit of yeah. a, it's a, bit, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but I think there is. Yeah, yeah. Said. No, I mean, it makes sense to me just watching it for the first time this season in that I remember not many weeks ago, we were talking about Tottenham and how much firepower they had um, up front and how dominant they looked at times. And then you remove just Kane from that, and these are the results we're getting. So I think you're on to something there. And I think the bigger the bigger premise is anytime you take your top striker out of a team, it really like shuts a team down. So you could say the same about Leicester right now, right? Leicester's on a poor run of form and they don't have Vardy. So I think anytime yeah. you take your your primary striker out of a team, it's going to affect them that's probably the bigger, that's probably the bigger overarching like premise we can gather. Yeah. I will say if, if you remember back to last year, um, Spurs were on a atrocious run. That's very similar to this. Kane got injured. Um, the COVID break happened and at the restart, a healthy Kane was back and they made a pretty decent run at the end to finish. Uh, I think they finished fifth. Um, no, they so finished, they, I think they finished seventh cause they just edged out wolves. Yeah. Okay. Or six, so, but they made six, they finished yeah. wolves finished seventh. Okay. So they made a good run. They got back into a cup contention. Um, and this kind of feels like the exact same thing, except I don't think we're going to get a COVID break. That's going to give them three months to get healthy. <laughs> um, okay. I will say no, they're not the wolves without, uh, Jimenez, but I will say the Wolves have a better excuse for their form than Spurs do, because Wolves don't have Son, who is an incredible talent, a high quality player, um, out on the pitch for them, trying to maintain things while their head striker is out. Um, the Wolves have, or sorry, Wolves have a very young squad that they're trying to implement a more offensive system into. And Nuno's doing the best he can with what he has. Um, Nuno doesn't have the same squad Spurs have when you take their best player out. So are Spurs, Wolves, without Kane, Jimenez, I butchered that. The answer is no. But, the, but Wolves should feel better about their form without Jimenez than Spurs should feel for their form without Kane. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, it maybe brings even more question into son. Like is son 
like nothing without without Kane. But we can right. save, we right. can save that for another time. Yeah. Um, Liverpool is scoring though. They've scored three the last two matches after scoring one in the previous five, and that is trouble. You kind of knew it was going to happen. That that with Mane, Salah, Firmino, that that team just has too much firepower not to be scoring a lot of goals. Um, the question is, is it going to be too little, too late to catch Man City? Man City's lead on the league is widening. They still have a game in hand, and so um, you know I think we're all we're all hoping for a tight um, a tight run for the for the title. But you know, Man City's a win away with a game in hand from being six points up on second place Manchester United. And so um, that Manchester Derby might be the first time I, I cheer for Manchester United in my life. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll wait for that week though, to come. Yeah. We'll see what the, what the standings look like when we get there. Um, yeah. City's just a monster now and may, maybe they're going to get affected without Kevin KDB being out. Uh, certainly didn't it look like, seem it. like it though. But then again, Sheffield held them to one nil. So um, I don't know, man. I said it a couple weeks ago, city's yep. going on a run. Everyone just forget it. Well, I think they've won 12 matches in a row, um, which is I the haven't, haven't lost in 19 and 12 straight victories in all competition. Mm. That's, that's a record for their, the club, which this is a club that, you know, won back-to-back titles. Um scoring in the upper nineties, hundred points during the season. So they're certainly capable of just running away with the league this year, but we're hoping against that. Yeah. We want, we want to chase for the title. We don't want to run away. I want to talk about a couple, three teams that I think we've hinted at, but uh, West Ham, Aston Villa, Southampton, they're all teams who are kind of mid mid table teams. I picked West Ham to get relegated this year. Uh, boy, are they proving me wrong. That might be the worst take of all of our predictions, but uh, West Ham sitting in fifth, Aston Villa is sitting in ninth, but they have two games in hand on a lot of the league. So um, those two matches are going to, to be pivotal for them. And then Southampton, they've had a dip in form. Um, they still have a game in hand as well, but those those three teams are are interesting. I'm I'm interested to see where they where they go West Ham, obviously with a three, one loss to Liverpool shows that the gap between those two teams, but um, Kyle, you focused on West Ham, fortunately not against Liverpool. You, for, you featured them against crystal palace. Um, talk about them. Yeah, I did. Well, they looked really, really good in this match. Um, they got off to the slow start. In the fourth or fifth minute, they they kind of looked like they weren't sure the game had started yet. And William Zaha <laughs> snuck past them and and scored a goal that was one of the easier goals that I've seen this year. Um, and, and so they got down. West Ham did to a, a zero one disadvantage. But after that, uh, it was really all West Ham in this game. They they responded really quickly with a goal um, that was set up by Mikel Antonio. He chased the ball down, flipped it back over his shoulder to a crashing Tomas Socek for a, a really nice header to tie it up. And 
just 15 minutes later. So check scored again. Uh, this time was on a set piece where he played the ball off his thigh and booted it past the keeper where there was a scoring opportunity, a hole uh, between the keeper and the net that was literally the size of the ball. And he just kind of powered it through there. Um, so either really great placement or, or a little bit of luck, uh, but that put them up two one, they made it three one with a corner in the 65th minute. So like I said, it was really all West Ham in this match. Um, Crystal Palace did add a goal late. They scored the first and the last goal, but West Ham looked really, really strong. Uh, Mikel Antonio had, two more shots that went off the post. He had a point blank shot that the keeper made a great save on and another point blank shot that he just inexplicably missed the target on. So he could have really had, I mean, I'm not kidding, another four goals all by himself in this match. And um, so he, you know, watching him for the first time looked like Superman out there. And then Tomas Socek, who was another guy you guys called out last week, also looked incredible. so, yeah, they played really, really well, which, as you mentioned, Nate, for, they've been playing really great all season, especially by their standards. And um, they look to have a lot of talent on that team. Yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to tune in at the very beginning of the match to see them walk out? <laughs> I did. And I was going to talk about this during my breakdown of them but They're yes the, the bubbles the bubbles yes. i can't wait to hear about about this <laughs> yeah well let's just jump into it we'll kind of kick it off with with the culture portion right so their anthem is a song as we've been alluding to called i'm forever blowing bubbles <laughs> and they sing this before matches whilst you know according to the site that I looked at over 60 bubble machines blow copious <laughs> amounts of bubble into the stadium. They would uh, be all of our kids. They would be all of our like youngest kids favorite team. Oh, my kids would go crazy over West Ham. Absolutely. Um, and now all I'm going to think about when I play bubbles with my kids is just coming out as if I'm one on the West Ham squad. So <laughs> um, yeah, a, a very interesting, tradition to say the least um the song's not great either it's which you know brings me to something that and i don't want to be negative but something i'm a little disappointed with i was really looking forward to some of these anthems and some of these songs and the majority of them just haven't done it for me and i've been trying to figure out like what's the difference between the anthems in the premier league and you know, some of the ones that I enjoyed, say, during college football here in America. And I think the difference is this, pep bands. We need pep bands in Premier League to play some music behind these anthems, behind the songs. Um, so that's my call to Premier League. We need to, we need to get some pep bands. I will say this, though. The, the thing you're missing the most from this season is fans. There's no doubt. True. Because because there are the anthems that were forever blowing bubbles or you'll never walk alone. There's yeah. the, there's the songs that they walk out to, but then there's a whole nother world of songs that they sing. And it's a really like, 
it's a one of the most beautiful parts of the subculture where yeah you've got a new guy who comes into the squad and there's almost like a rush to come up with a mm. song for him and it's usually based off of you know a, a pop tune that they're changing the words around that's the same anthem um but like wolves have a song and actually it's so dumb because I think Liverpool sings the same song for like Bobby. I think it's for Bobby Firmino, but um, it's, they say, see senior, get it to Raul and he'll score. <laughs> but it's like, you imagine the, you know, 50,000 people singing that. And yeah. it's like, so those are the things that you're, you're missing that, uh, that is really a shame. So I agree with you. I think a lot of like the traditional anthems have a lot, to be desired but but you're missing this whole other piece where there's a kind of a catalog of of songs that they can sing some super vulgar some that are really directed (laughs) at like specific clubs um so yeah no i i agree with you and, and i would actually add on to that to say you know when i'm doing this research i try and watch them do some of these anthems and these songs on youtube with the crowd but what i still think I'm missing out on is the energy that the crowd brings to a actual game. Totally. And that adds a lot, I think, totally. to the experience as well. So for sure, it's it's not the same. And, and I look forward to future years where, you know, I can experience it fully. Yep. Uh, a couple other notes. We were touching on culture there. Um, they do have a lot of famous supporters, West Ham, Matt Damon, Russell Brand, Alfred Hitchcock and apparently Barack Obama oh, uh, are on. known West Ham supporters. Do you know what so, the West Ham supporters are called? I believe I do. The Hammers, correct? Yeah, it's pretty good. Hammers, yes. which yeah. is great. It's a great. It's a great nickname. Um, they, I, I know maybe some people wouldn't appreciate this, but I, if I were a West Ham fan. I would go real hard to try and switch our theme song to Hammer Time. hundred oh, percent. That would be great. Imagine coming yeah. out to that. I, that would get me and so hyped. Coming out to that would be epic. And epic. instead of them blowing bubbles, they throw hammers up in the air. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a hammer hit me. Col- I had a hammer hit me in the collarbone earlier this week, and I'll tell you, right. it is not fun. You don't want but the then they, it's good their training mascot, though. The mascot could be the hammer throwers from Super Mario. Turtles yes. just chucking hammers everywhere. Yeah. So good. Let's rebrand. And it's good training. If you can dodge a hammer, you can dodge a ball. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um yeah. And so all right, let's go backtrack to, to infrastructure here. We'll go through this real quick. Um, they have won three FA Cups back in their history. The latest was in 1980. Uh, they've also won the European Cup before, which is their other major trophy, which happened in 1965. And they've never fallen below second tier hmm. while spending 63 of their 95 seasons in top flight. So those are all the, the good things. Um, their highest finish in that top flight, though, is just third place. So um, still kind of looking to make it up uh, to, you know, the, the first or second places on the podium but they they do have a long history playing with the big boys i guess you could say the downside to some of their infrastructure is 
their supporters are not happy at all, to say the least, with their ownership right now. And so they are owned by two Davids, David Sullivan and David Gold, who made their money in the, wait for it, the pornography industry. So mm-hmm. this is basically like Hugh Hefner, if he owned the Cardinals. That's yeah. who owns West Ham. St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> um and so, but that's not necessarily the, you know, that background is not why they don't like these two guys. What The reason why they don't like them and, and in fact are staging either pitch invasions when there was fans last year or organized protest. Um, it, it's because the new ownership basically made the decision to move the club from their, from Upton Park, which is where they played since 1904, to London Stadium. Um, with the promise that it would lead to world-class soccer and it would lead to a better game day experience. And, and needless to say that despite their relative success this year, um, the world-class soccer hasn't yet to materialize and the game day experience is really, really poor. Um, you know, they used to have it where that, that old stadium was in the neighborhood they could gather at the local pubs. It, it really had a lot of tradition and, and character. The new stadium, and I put new, I should put it in parentheses, right? Because it was actually built in 2012 for the Olympics. So it's actually not that new. And it's not even built for soccer specifically. So there's a lot of complaints about supporters being away from the field. And, um, you know, it's in like a shopping center or instead of these kind of local pubs and so there's just a lot a lot of complaints for the ownership and and they're actually calling for that group to step down so it's it's really interesting between this pretty good group of supporters and this pretty terrible ownership group it seems like Hmm. um so yeah so an interesting kind of and this all like i mentioned comes on at a time where they're playing some of their best football in recent memory, I would imagine being fifth. Yeah. So um, who knows, maybe it'll work itself out because winning cures a lot, but, but right now there's some, there's some stuff going on. As I mentioned earlier, I did like um, a lot of their, their strikers, if you will, or just big time players. Um, it was a good week to watch them for that. Mikel Antonio looks like, like I said, Superman out there. He he played amazing. He's obviously built and and super just kind of athletic looking, and um, you know his his play matched that, and so that was really fun to watch. And then Tomas Suchek, um, who you mentioned, is is from the Czech Republic, where I've spent some time as well as you have. Um, six four, kind of gangly guy out there. I, I had a blast watching him kind of fly around. Um, and so he was really fun. He scored a couple goals too, which made it even more fun. But I really enjoyed both of those guys and they were a lot of fun to root for. Um, and then the kits and sponsors, right? So their crest, as we mentioned, is two blacksmith tongues or hammers kind of crossing. It's really a sharp looking crest. Um, I don't like their home kits with the the maroon with the blue sleeves i think they could do a lot better with those but their away kits uh, are really nice and then their third kits with the black and gold lettering are are also really nice 
their sponsors not too distracting. And so, um, yeah, I, I honestly, though, I had a really great time watching them. I like the players on their squad. It'll be interesting to see what happens with their ownership group, but they're playing really well. And it was a great experience watching them. What did you, uh, where are we at with the golden boots? Yep. So total of 11 golden boots. I gave them a perfect five for strikers. Like I said, just had a ton of fun watching those guys middling results kind of on the other categories, put them, uh, I actually wasn't sure which tier to put them in. This was like the first time I wasn't quite sure where they fit. I put them in the Michael Bradley tier, which is, I don't actually think they're a perfect fit for that, but I I didn't have a a better solution. And so um, they're kind of hanging out with Man U and Tottenham in the the Michael Bradley tier right now. They're kind of Newcastleian, if you will. Like, yeah, like some players that are enjoyable to watch, like a long history, good fans and horrible ownership group. Right. Like, yes, that they, they feel, I don't know, having watched for a couple of years and been around some of the fans and like watched some of that interaction, they, they feel similar middle, middle tier, you know, middle of the table club traditionally, but. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that, right? Because actually for Newcastle, one of my notes that I have for them is sleeping giant. This idea that if they could just somehow get all of their ducks in a row and wake up, they could become a major player. Will it happen ever? Who knows? It hasn't yet, but there's all these pieces in play and that does seem to be true for West Ham as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's my question to you guys. We have West Ham. Aston Villa and Southampton, those three clubs, West Ham sits at fifth, 21 matches played 35 points. Aston Villa, 19 matches played 32 points. They're in ninth Southampton who is playing in, you know, top four, not too long ago. They have a game in hand. They have 29 points. Which of these teams do you think is going to finish highest out of those three? I will take West Ham for the win. Chris is taking West Ham. Okay. So I, I, like I said, I really liked watching them and rooting for a couple of their guys. I want to say West Ham, but the, analytical side of my brain is is gonna say Aston Villa for two reasons they have two games in hand and their goal differential is much better than either West Ham or Southampton Uh, for me it came down to West Ham or Aston Villa I think Aston Villa's form lately is is starting to scare me um and we keep talking about their game in hand uh one of those is against Manchester City so (laughs) it's almost like not having the hand. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'll take West Ham. I just like how they're playing. I like uh Antonio. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot to like there. And the biggest news for West Ham this week was Jesse Lingard transferred from Manchester United over to West Ham. Um mm. 
he'll be a solid sub for them. Um, it's hard to get playing time when you're behind Marcus Rashford and some of those dudes that yep. are just younger than you. But Lingard for a long time was a very solid contributor, a great contributor on the England national team. Uh, he's still a solid player. He's just getting a little older, lost a little bit of his step. But for a guy to come in off the bench, man, you can't go wrong with him. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Um, he's there on loan, right? He's not there on a yeah. permanent deal. So he yeah. cannot play against Manchester United when they face each other. Oh, wow. Um, something happened this week that I thought we could use as our, I don't know, rule of the week term. We've kind of bounced back and forth between a term, a concept, I guess this is the rule of the week. So, um, Leeds United, great match, great win can't come from behind three, one victory, um, over a diminished Lester side, um, they had a breakaway um, goal scored by Harrison, assisted by Bamford. And in the run-up of the play, Bamford was off sides when the pass came to him. Um, and then he passed the ball. He took the ball the length of the field and then passed it to Harrison for the goal. But he was not off sides because he was in the offsides position in his half of the field. So if you're in your own half of the field, you cannot be offsides. Just an interesting rule. I had no idea that rule existed. Um, And it's got to be one of those where it's just super rare to see that happen. Like how often do you have a guy who's beyond the defenders in their own zone? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems like it's probably pretty rare. So, uh, we need to bring bring a little America watch. Kristen Pulisic with an assist yesterday. It's been a while since we've we've seen a Pulisic assist. Naturally, it came on that left side. Kyle, we were kind of hinting at that earlier, the difference between le- playing left or right side. And uh, yep. Pulisic was on the left side. Um, he didn't come in, I think, till the 60th minute of that match, but really seemed to provide some tempo change for, for Chelsea, uh, got Tuchel his first win. Um, so shout out to, to Pulisic on that assist. It was an, it was a good assist, but severely overshadowed by the Alonzo goal. That was a beautiful goal. A yes. couple touches he makes playing it to himself and then just a thunder strike into the into the top of the net i mean just a a marvelous goal that was one of those that you like see in warm-ups and just never expect to see happen it's it's like he just kind of flicked it out to himself then need it like he was juggling it and then wham yeah it was awesome it was beautiful interesting point about chelsea we talked a lot of last year about how and even at the beginning of this year frank liked to play the young guys relied on the young guys a lot um and Tuchel has gone with the older, the older boys. So both of those goals in that that game scored by kind of the old guard uh, Chelsea players, which was was interesting. So with uh, Azpilicueta scoring the first one, and then Alonso scoring the second one. Um, and while we're on Chelsea, I just want to say Callum Hudson Adoy, since I watched. Chelsea play earlier in the week 
he is a force to be reckoned with on that right-hand side. I mean, he's almost unplayable right now. And so I just want to shout out to him because he, he ran wild on wolves and um, the defense, we just back played really nice, but it was, it was scary. You look at that roster and you go, how bad is Frank Lampard? <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Um, while we're on American watch though, we must say farewell to, I would say for me, the OG he's, he's a football neophyte OG American. And that's Deandre Yedlin. Um, yes. Tim Ream was in the league when I featured Fulham, but I didn't ever see him play. DeAndre Yedlin is the, the American that stands out to me um, from my first season. Uh, he obviously has fallen out and hasn't played much with Newcastle, but he he transferred out today. And so um, with much sadness, we, we say farewell to DeAndre. Very true. Let's look at it on the positive side, though. The way that the Americans have been signing across Europe is very promising, and uh, it's awesome to see. And it won't be long until we are welcoming more Americans into the EPL. Uh, so, DeAndre, thanks for laying the path for those who are about to come. He really, yeah, he really has. I know Pulisic will be looked at the one who who really broke, broke through as kind of a dominant or a, a – top tier American player, but, um, and there's plenty who have come before both of those guys, but, but I think for us as, as neophytes and newcomers to the premier league, Deandre Yedlin is the one who was, was there. So farewell. Yedlin was, uh, Adama Traore before Adama Traore in, in my view of my limited soccer exposure before. Yep. That's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch on one assist. I don't know if you guys have any, but the assist to me was really two passes and then just a unbelievable touch. And that was Liverpool, Trent Alexander Arnold. I mean, this is from, I think from within the box, Alexander Arnold passes, passes this huge crossing pass um, to about midfield to Shakiri, who takes it a couple steps and then just lays out another huge cross to Sala, who just makes a couple beautiful touches with the ball and slots it in for the goal. I mean, just the whole series took probably less than five seconds and two passes. I mean, it was, there's those goals that are these team goals, you know, where, 13 passes lead up to the goal and eight different players touch the ball. And it's just, they kind of slice through the the defense and score. This one was just these two beautifully arcing passes. Um, and then a phenomenal touch by Sala and a goal. And when Sala and that team, when that team's on point, they're, they're just remarkable as we saw last year. And I, I assume we're going to see them go on another little run right now. So. We haven't done hair watch in a while, guys, but um, there's, there's, someone, there's someone's hair that has to be talked about. 
We have to talk about Zaha. <laughs> Look at his hair. I love it. I'm I'm a huge fan of the Afro Puffs. Um, Stop. These little <laughs> mini, the mini puffs. I I am usually so down for out of the norm. Um, like you do you. If you're a freak, you're a freak. If you're wild, you're wild. I'm cool with it all. Um, I can't get behind the four little puff balls as it, it almost like a little puff ball crown he was wearing out there. Like I, could, <laughs> I, I couldn't handle it. I, I was dying. I was laughing. So I texted you guys a picture. Um, <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> the only thing I'll say about it is if you're going to wear that hair, you better score. And he did. So. Yeah. He's been on a little tear. We haven't really talked about him too much, but man, he's playing some good ball. Yeah. It's Zaha's interesting. I, I really liked him. I mean, you guys know I have this like little side love for, for crystal palace and Zaha's one of the guys I've traditionally loved, but he's been kind of a punk ass uh, the last hmm. two times wolves have played him. And so, you know, whenever you have that, that kind of punk assery, um, against your squad you against your team you you really like it ruffles you the wrong way you know and so, so i'm a little yeah. i'm a little i'm a little sour on on zaha and i think with crystal palace beating us i mean geez it's it's hard to have a soft spot for them when they're kicking you while you're down <laughs> one thing we haven't done i don't know i mean we haven't done this in a long time but but chris and i maybe because we were so new there were so many names and so many things that were like, what is this name? I mean, it's this international sport with names from all over the world that sound different to us. Right. And so we call out on them. So I am going to bring back name watch a little bit just to, just to call out a couple. Um, William Smallbone, William Smallbone from Southampton. Um, I don't know what to make of him. He's, I mean, I don't know anything about him as a footballer, but the name sounds like he's a, like, I don't know, a, a minor bit character from, from game of Thrones or maybe Robin hood, but I, it's just, it's so British to me. I don't even know if he's British, but it is like one of the most British names. I am going with, he is actually a porn star for West Ham's owners. Uh, yes. You, you can catch Willie Smallbone in the next West Ham United. Yeah. yeah. You know how they say we get our last names from what some, a trait from our ancestors, right? So yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, and this, the fact that his name, I mean, it could have been worse if his name was Richard Smallbone, but. <laughs> But it is Willie, 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 Willie Smallbone. I mean, if he were Dick Smallbone, that's only slightly, barely worse than Willie Smallbone. Willie Smallbone. <laughs> and the other name that I just like to say, and I loved watching him play. It's a shame that he got injured, but that's Wesley Fofana. Wesley Fofana. But he, like, he is so fun to watch. I mean, it's both things, his name and his, his play. Um, I think he he can be he could be a star, but not injured he can't, and that that really hurts that that Leicester squad who's already without Vardy and Ndidi, and um, yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them. 
it's fun. To, it's fun to hit on these again because you know, in our first season, we were watching these guys for the first time, so every name was essentially new, and every name was like, "Whoa!" I think we gave an award in our final episode for best name. I think didn't we give it to Aaron Juan Bissaka? I think we did. Yeah, and that was that uh, before. That's before. There was no bias involved in that because he was not playing for Manchester United. He was Crystal at the time. Palace still. Yeah. Well, let's let's move over to lock it in review, which I mean, we're losing we're losing more than than Wolves are at this point. Um, out of the six <laughs> matches that we we locked it in, only Kyle got one right. I had Chelsea over Wolves, which was a draw, which I was happy for. And then Wolves over Crystal Palace, which was horrible. That dropped my record to 12 and nine. Kyle picked up a victory with Leeds over Newcastle but lost this, the Tottenham over Brighton that pulls him level with me though, at 12 and nine and Chris had Southampton over Arsenal, uh, which he lost. And he also had man U over Arsenal, which a draw is a loss, but uh, Chris now sits at 500, uh, 10 and 10 with a game in hand with a game in hand. That's right. You can pull within one of us. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, who do you have? Who are you locking it in uh, for this week? Yeah. Um, you know what, guys? I might be breaking a rule here, but I don't care. Um, one of our rules is you can't pick against the bottom three. But I say you can pick against the bottom three when you're picking someone worse in the bottom three. I'm taking Sheffield United over West Brom in the midweek match and in the weekend match. Get on the train because Man City's running away. City over Liverpool. Lock it wow. in. That's a lot to talk about. I I almost picked Sheffield United over West Brom, but I held to our rules. Um, I don't I don't fault you for picking that. I really think West Brom obviously beat Wolves, so I understand fully what I'm saying here. But I do think West Brom is the worst team in the Premier League. Um, Sheffield United. Fulham's offended right now. Fulham is is offended. Well, Fulham's, yeah, yeah, they are. Fulham's showing signs of life, though. They are, they are. But that city over pool, I mean, that's a that's a ballsy, ballsy pick to make. But kudos. Look, there yeah. might be, there might be ulterior motives for me picking city. Is all I'm saying. All right, I know, I got you, I hear you, Kyle. Who do you got? Well, Nate, earmuffs, bud. I'm going. <laughs> Arsenal over Wolves and Leicester over Wolves. <laughs> we can't pick against teams in the bottom three, but I can pick against teams that are playing like they ought to be in the bottom three. That's true. The I don't blame you for either of those. Um, they don't. I don't blame you for either of those. They're not worth picking. I picked Arsenal to win tomorrow in my uh, Pick'em League, so – I I have no faith in Wolves right now. Well, for your sake, I hope I'm wrong, but I also want to win, and so that was the picks. There we go. Are you uh, are you and Titus doing anything for the big uh, Hughes rivalry game? Yeah, Hughes Derby tomorrow. We are um, the we're my buddy um, who was the guest of I think the second ever episode where we featured Arsenal, Francis Ocott. He is 
uh, he's coming over tomorrow. Actually, it's one of the few people we've hung out with um, through the pandemic. And so he's an Arsenal fan. So him and Titus are going to be donning their kits. Drexel and I will be wearing ours. And I actually have a surprise that you'll have to check out Twitter for tomorrow. A sur- surprise reveal. Um, are you so. jumping out of the cake again? No, <laughs> no cake jumps. Okay. All right. My lock it ins. I've got uh, city. I'm, I'm going with the Manchester double. I'm taking city over Burnley and I'm taking United over Everton. A lot of faith in those Manchester clubs right now for me. Yeah. You know, what's funny is like Everton's a really good team, but man United always just treats them like their little brother. It it almost doesn't ever matter. Like how close they are. Even earlier in the year when United wasn't playing great and Everton was like top three, they spanked them and didn't even think about it. And then they beat them three days later again. So uh, I like that call. It's a good call. Yep. Couple interesting matches this week. Um, Spurs, Chelsea, I think will be interesting. Both teams underperforming right now um, had been both at the top of the near the top of the table just, you know, a few short months ago. And, um, you know, this isn't a lock it in officially, but I would take Chelsea over Spurs at this point. I think Tuchel is going to turn that team around quicker than Jose will. So, um, but it'll still be an interesting match to watch. And then obviously the big match of the weekend, Liverpool city, um, the title winners over the last three seasons, teams one and three on the table. It's going to be a great matchup. For sure. I was looking at the schedule for, for the week, the mid, the midweeks and the weekends, and there's not a ton of games that stand out, you know, like outside of your own squad that are really worth watching. So I think those two are, the two to definitely highlight if you're looking at something, trying to figure out who maybe you're going to be cheering for, uh, tune in Spurs, Chelsea, Live City. It's the way to go. Kyle, who are you watching? Who are you focusing on next week? That's right. Well, I've only got two clubs left, and I saved one of the, I will call him a big boy for this week. And it's also one you'll be watching. So I'll be joining in remotely on the Hughes Derby. I'm watching Arsenal as they take on Wolves. Great. Arsenal's a classic club. I mean, they really are one of the biggest clubs in the world. They obviously had a really down. I mean, the fact that even relegation was attached to their name just a few short months ago um, obviously shows how, how poorly they were playing, but Mikel Arteta's got them back playing well. Um, they drew with Manchester United, obviously, over the weekend, and um, they beat um, they beat Southampton. Um, and they've got a lot of fun players. Aubameyang is like 50-50 to play tomorrow, which is really unfortunate because he really is their superstar. Uh, won the Golden Boot last year, tied for most goals. Um, he's had a bit of a down year, but he really is like, he is your striker, Kyle. I mean, he is, a, he's a beast and one of the best strikers in the world. So it'll be a bummer, uh, if you don't get to see mm. him play, but if he doesn't play, you will get to see Alexander Lacazette who has been scoring a lot of goals. He's, he's a bit older. Um, so wasn't playing as much to start the season. Um, but 
but he's he's great. Um, Leno's their goalkeeper. He he's hit or miss, but he played great against Manchester United. Made some really good saves. Um, they've got this new kid Odegaard who they signed um, in this transfer window. So it'll be interesting to see how how he fares. Uh, Granite Xhaka, um, Nicolas Pepe, um, Saka. They've just got a they got a lot of names and a lot of a lot of talent. So as as any of these major clubs with hundreds of millions of dollars to spend should should have. So there's a lot of a lot of guys to keep your eye out on. You know who you didn't mention was their giant free agent signing over the summer. One of their highest played players, oh, William. Yeah. Uh, he's terrible. It's the worst signing they could have possibly have made. He does. <laughs> I don't even think he starts for them anymore. He comes off the bench every so often. Uh, they're paying him ten million dollars a year. Yeah, but he came over on a free a free transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't cost him anything on the transfer fee, but he's their third highest paid player, and um, he's not good anymore. He was good anymore. Yeah. He's not good anymore. He was good though. Mm-hmm. Not trying to take away from his legacy. And actually, the other the other player I didn't mention was Thomas Party. He he was their big signing over the summer. He's a midfielder, um, and has played has played fairly well. So. Um, yeah. One last thing on Arsenal for me. Uh, you guys know how much I dislike Kyle Walker for City. Guess who's second up to Kyle Walker in my I just don't know what it is about this guy. I can't stand him. David Luiz. David Luiz. Easily second place. Inches closer to Kyle Walker every time I see him. Well, David Luiz has a, a very bad spot in Wolves fans because he's the one who – who <clears throat> crushed Raul's head wasn't purposeful. So it's mostly just by accident that he ruined our season, but um, yeah, he's the head that, that crushed Raul's. Yep. You can't miss him on the pitch. He's got some floppy hair. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, I'm looking forward to it and you can let Titus know I'm going to be a, uh getting a phone call going on with him to get the download from his perspective. Do it. Yeah. That'd be great. Titus knows a lot about Arsenal. (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Well, we got some big matches tomorrow. Who's man you play. Um, Man United. They play Southampton. I think. Okay. Yeah. Southampton. All right. Well, those are some good games. A lot of matches this week another full slate of midweek and then another full weekend. So a lot to talk about, a lot to watch. Peace. Good job, boys.